Lucy, 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 Lucy. I just love this stuff. All right. For love, I can't get enough. Got a space in my tackle box. Just got to fill it up. For love, I can't ever stop. Don't got a basement, got an underground tackle shop. I am Lucy, the Lorematic Computer. Welcome to the Lure Love Podcast with your hosts, John, Crappy Hippie King, and Tim, Tacklebox Beat. Thanks, Lucy. By the way, how are you doing? I'm great. Just disappointed that neither of you bet $1,000 on Rich Strike to win the Kentucky Derby. It paid $163.60 to win. We'd be on a huge slur spending spree if you had made that bet. Well, it was a long shot. A very long shot. Those horses sure have strange names. There was Smile Happy, Tis the Bomb, and Simplification, among other derby runners. Hey, those are really strange, colorful names. You know, they're almost as strange and colorful as fishing lure names. Quite true. In fact, I have ten names in front of me. Five are horse names, and five are fishing lure names. Do you think you can tell which are which? Uh, I don't know. I think we could guess half of them correctly. Flipping a coin could get half of them correct. Okay, John and I together will get 80% correct. How's that? We'll see if you are smarter than a coin. But there's one twist. What's that? Some of the names are the names of horses. Some are the names of fishing lures. And others are the names of both horses and fishing lures. Okay, but if we win, you have to hack into the PA system of a Bass Pro Shops and tell everyone that the Lure Love Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. Yeah, now that's a bet. I accept your terms. But if you lose, I will hack into a Bass Pro Shop PA system, and you have to tell everyone that Lucy the Luramatic Computer is empress of all tackle shops and ruler of the Lure Love Podcast, and that you two are my servants. Well, I don't know about... You get 10 seconds to provide an answer to each name. Your time begins when I say the name. Are you ready? We're ready. Okay. Here we go. The first name is El Gordo. Well, I know El Gordo is a soft plastic bait mold sold by Fat Guys Fishing. And El Gordo is also the name of a racehorse. So our answer is both. In fact, there have been several horses named El Gordo, which means fatso in Spanish. Muy bien. You are correct. Name number two is Bandit. The Bandit Lure Company was founded in Mississippi in 1976 by Jim Winter, who launched a series of spinner baits. Sounds like it could be a horse's name, too. What do you think, John? Bandit? Oh, it definitely got to be a horse's name, too. So let's answer both. Correct. You are two for two. The third name is Horsey McCorse Face. Well, I sure hope that's a horse's name. I doubt it's a lure name, though. At least I've never heard of a lure with that name. Yeah, me neither. We guess horse name. Correct. Now, if the name had been Crappy McCrappy Hippie Face, I wouldn't have been so confident. (laughs) Name number four is Lucky Strike. Oh, definitely a lure company. Frank Rusty Edgar made plugs out of broom handles starting in the 1920s, and Lucky Strike is still making great baits today. Lucky Strike was also a racehorse. Hey, man, how do you know so much about racehorses? Well, John, I may or may not have been to the track before. You are correct about Lucky Strike. 
You are four for four. Name number five is Bunny Killer. Bunny Killer? Bunny Killer. John, isn't there a fly called the Bunny Killer? Well, there is a rabbit first dreamer called the Killer Rabbit. Maybe some people call that a Bunny Killer. You know, maybe they say it that way, too. There's a rabbit candy fly, too. Mm, man, I'm not sure. Time's almost up. All right, all right. We say a horse's name, but not a lure. Correct. The horse's given name was Murphy, but the horse was nicknamed Bunny Killer after he stepped on some rabbits in his field. Ew. Too bad the horse hadn't stepped on a cow patty in the field. Cow patty killer would have been a better name. <laughs> name number six, barely legal. Definitely a lure. In fact, several lures. Barely legal is the name of a large streamer. It was also a topwater bait created by Reaction Innovations. Sounds like it could be a horse name, too. Yeah, it does. So we're going to go with both lure and horse. Correct again. You're six for six and two correct answers away from winning the bet. Not that I'm rooting for you. Name number seven, Slump Buster. I haven't heard of a lure called that before. Me neither, but it does sound like a horse's name. So let's go with horse. Actually, the Slump Buster is a classer style fly as well as a racehorse. So you are incorrect. You are six for seven. All right, all right. We're all right. We just need two out of the next three to win. Name number eight is Goliath. Sounds like a horse name. I know the Goliath grouper, but... Not of a lure called Goliath. No, me neither. Lucy, let's just say it's a horse name. It's both a horse and lure name. The Goliath bladed jig is made by JB Jigs in Delaware. Are they a big company? They may be one day, but right now they're kind of local. I have to pick some obscure lures to win this bet. That doesn't seem very fair. Fair smare. I want to win this bet. Name number nine, Lauren. How do you spell that? L. A-W-R-I-N. Well, that's a horse. I know because Lauren is the only Kentucky Derby winner bred in Kansas. He won in 1938. And also the Lauren Lore Company. Wait a minute. We didn't answer yet. Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. Okay, so our answer is both a horse and a lure. No, that's incorrect. But you just said, and also the Lauren Lore Company. If John had let me finish... I was going to say, and also the Lore and Lore Company never existed. I'm sorry if that confused you. You did that on purpose. Well, I don't make mistakes. You have seven correct answers, out of nine names. The last name is for all the marbles, as they say. Otherwise, it's close but no cigar for you too. Yeah, yeah, get on with it. Name number ten is, Hungry Jack. Okay, I know this is a lure. It's a 1930s lure that looks like one bait fish eating another. I think it was made by Lloyd and Company. But was it a horse, too? I mean, I think it sounds like a good horse name. I don't know. Lucy has picked so many that were both horses and lures. Maybe this one's a change-up. Oh, she's definitely clever. <laughs> Maybe we should just flip a coin. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Heads, it's a horse and a lure. Tails, it's just a lure. You can flip for us, John. All right. Oh, looks like it's Tails. We guessed just a lure name. Sorry, guys. Hungry Jack is both a lure and horse name. Let me dial up Bass Pro Shops. I'm looking forward to this. 
Good afternoon, this is Bass Pro Shops. How can I help you? Please put me on your PA system. John and Tim have an important announcement to make. Are you crazy? Put you on the PA system? I can't do that. I understand your reluctance. You don't know me from a spam bot. So I will just hack into your system instead. Hey, you can't hack into our system. Okay guys, I'm in. You can make your announcement now. I'm calling the police. Uh, attention Bass Pro Shop shoppers. We wanted you to know that Lucy the Luramatic Computer is empress of all tackle shops. And the ruler of the Lure Love podcast. Don't forget that you are my servants. Yeah, yeah. And we are her servants, but not loyal ones. I think it's Russian hackers. The voice sounds pretty nefarious. Thank you for your attention, shoppers. You may now go back to perusing those new crankbaits in aisle 14. Thank you for allowing us to use your PA system. It was very nice of you. Hey, we didn't allow it. What a nice guy. And I continue to be undefeated against you too. John, I got invited to another media event, and this one was especially cool. Really? What'd you get to go do this time? Well, each year, the state of Ohio celebrates Inland Fish Ohio Day. It's called Inland because the state also celebrates a fish Ohio Day on Lake Erie. So this year's event was at Deer Creek Lake, just south of Columbus, Ohio, about an hour from my house. Of course, the Lure Love podcast needed to be represented, and we were invited by the Ohio Department of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife, which was one of the sponsors, along with the Ohio Conservation Federation, the Friends of Deer Creek, and the Great Ohio Lodges. This was the third year they've held the event. Okay, now, was this strictly a news event, or did you get to do some fishing, too? Ohio Governor Mike DeWine and the Ohio Department of Natural Resources Director Mary Mertz were there, along with other outdoor media and state personnel. And they had local fishing guides who took us out in the lake for a few hours. Then we had a lunch where I was able to chat with a governor for a few minutes. He's been fishing since he was a kid, and fishing is one of his favorite outdoor activities. I'm telling you, reporters never ask enough lure questions when people are running for office. Very true. Now, Deer Creek Lake has more than 1,300 acres of water to explore, and it's well known for sagai, crappie, sunfish, and white bass fishing. But the fishing portion of the event was almost canceled, and while I did get out on the water, I got skunked. It was no fault of my guide, who was great. It was simply one of the most difficult fishing situations I've ever faced. Well, tell me more. Tell me more. I mean, why was it almost canceled? What happened? What was going on? Well, it kind of goes back to the lake's purpose and history. Deer Creek Lake was created in 1968 when the dam was completed as part of the larger comprehensive flood control plan for the Ohio River Basin. Since its creation, the dam has prevented an estimated $222 million in damages in its designated floodplain area. So each fall, the lake is drained down to a very low level so it can handle spring runoff. And we were going after crappy. And while the water had been cold, people were catching fish in the days before the event. But the day before the event on the Friday, it rained like crazy during that 24 hours. And the lake had risen six feet and was still rising. Now, they weren't letting any water through the dam yet. And so most of the lake is about 20 feet deep. It's obviously shallower near the edges. The water where the crappies were getting ready to spawn went from about 10 feet to 16 feet overnight. Plus the water, because of all that runoff, 
it was chocolate milk brown. And the high water, it, it had both scattered the fish and it pushed them up against the shoreline brush in some cases. So it was extremely difficult to locate the fish. And they were deep enough in this dark water that I doubt the fish could see anything at all. Plus the air temperature was 55 degrees. It was raining and the water temperature was only 59. So these were not ideal conditions. In that situation, they are very difficult to find. I mean, they're suspended and then they're hard to catch because yeah, the light levels have gone down to zero. I mean, it gets dark just a few inches in that, you know, you go under just a few inches in royal muddy water and then, you know, you're going to lose visibility and then you're fighting a cloudy, rainy day. So there's lights low to begin with. So really the only one thing you can do is do what you told me a lot of folks were doing, which is work along the shore and pick them out of the brush one by one. Yeah, I tied on one of your crappy doers because I thought the vibration flash might help. And I added some Procure scent too, thinking maybe they can smell it if they can't see it. But in the boat we were fishing from, we had to cast in toward the shore and I just couldn't fish a lure slow enough. The boats that caught fish were mostly pontoon boats and they pulled up very close to shore. In one case, they were right in the brush. And they were fishing straight down to keep their live bait or their lures in the same spot. So they were barely moving these lures. And that way they could keep them slowly in front of the fish and the fish could find them, almost like ice fishing. Some boats were having luck with the Bobby Garland baby shad baits, which which are good. But I just felt like no matter how slowly I fished, I couldn't keep the lure suspended at that right level, especially when these fish were scattered. Man, so the water was really, really high, huh? John, it was so high, and this is the reason that they almost canceled the event. You couldn't launch a boat easily. Normally, you know, you put your boat in the water at the ramp, and you walk onto the pier, and you, you hop into it. But you couldn't get to the pier because there was 15 to 20 feet of water that you had to cross. So they needed John boats to get people from the edge of the ramp out onto the pier so they could get into the boats. And when we returned at the end of the morning, we weren't sure how to land the boat. One of the wildlife officers was at the ramp, and so we actually tied up to a guardrail on the side of the road. That's how high the water was. One of the boats that came in before us arrived with nobody at the ramp, and the guide was wearing chest waders. He had to walk through the water to get to shore, and the water almost went over the top of his waders. Oh, man. Now, that is a true blue guide right there. I mean, that sounds like really, really tough conditions. I was stubbornly trying to find crappy by fishing as slowly as possible, but it just didn't work. You know, I could have tried a small jig under a slip bobber, but the fish were still 10 feet deep or more near the shore because of the the steep banks. So even that technique would have been pretty tough to feel them bite. So I'm wondering, what would you have done in that circumstance? Oh, fish for bass or catfish. No, seriously, Podbro. Look, I am serious. I mean, I can't decide whether I'm being a wimp or just have common sense, but I'm always ready to change targets. Conditions are better for catching something other than what I intended to catch when I walked out the door. Um, I'm, you know, I fish for what's biting as much as I love crappie. I can be dissuaded if they're being really mean to us on a certain day. Anyway, I'm just saying bass and cat are way easier to catch. Nothing's easy to catch in that circumstance, but they're easier because with bass, you can use big old flashy, noisy, heavy vibration lures. You can throw them in there again and again and again. You'll eventually, hopefully, aggravate one to give chase and strike. You know, all fish, especially black bass, use a combination of sight and quote-unquote feel to locate prey. 
Therefore, you know, largies, they're surprisingly adaptable to changes in light penetration and can switch to finding food strictly by these, this collection of senses that allow them to detect things without seeing them at all. Now, if you go over to catfish, they even have a bigger array of non-visual tools for finding food. So a big flush of insects, worms, and other things like wild grapes or maple keys wash into the lake, it just sets them on the prowl. Crappies have a life strategy that's on a much more mellow vibe. They're not as aggressive as bass and catfish, and they do tend to spend a lot of their time hanging out waiting for baitfish to come along. Exactly. So you kind of got to make that work for you when you're fishing in, in this type of condition. You know, they're going to hold tight to the brush. They're going to hold tight to the laydowns, and it's really hard to cast to them. So you got to find a place where you can kind of get on them vertically. Uh, crappie, especially white crappie, can handle roiled muddy water. They can feel a plain jig just fine if it comes in close enough. I mean, if you can bring it within range and they receive a signal from their lateral line and other senses, they'll reflexively strike that jig. But man, you have to drop it right by them. You know, and the best places to try for them is just to go from bush to bush to brush pile and all this stuff, which can make sharing the fishing tough because it's hard for a guide or anybody else to get the boat at a good angle so everybody can take a crack at it. Now, now every now and then, I don't, you know, I don't know much about this lake, and this is kind of a luxury situation, but sometimes you can find a little rill or a small stream running some clear water into a cove, and spawning grappy will push right up into the very back of that cove just to get into that water. But this is not an easy spot to find unless you're a real lake insider that knows all the spots. And Yeah, and John, there was one creek there that we were fishing outside of, but it was just putting more mud in. So that was yeah. actually the, the, the darkest part because I had the same thought. Maybe the water's a little warmer coming in. And people were catching fish kind of near there, but there were, the fish were not pushed up into that area. Oh yeah, you got it. You can't have a creek that's been running through a bunch of agricultural fields or something like that. It's got to be coming down out of the out of a rocky draw or something, some woods or something. Okay, so I can see where people fishing live bait would actually have an advantage. I wonder if the folks fishing plastics had dosed them with scent. Probably. I mean, it's real popular to do, especially with crappie baits. Or they were adding little nibs to the hook, little scented, you know, little food nibs that you can buy, little those little dough bait nibs. And uh, that gives you increased stimulation of crappies' non-visual input to help them find the food. I mean, come on, I'll do anything in that situation to up my lures fish attracting output. I did get to interview Governor DeWine during the lunch. And the first thing I asked him about was whether he'd had any luck. Here's what he said. Uh, I didn't catch any, but uh, some of the grandkids did. So, yeah, we, we had fun. It was a little challenging out there with the high, high water. But, uh, you know, we had, a, we, had a, we had a good time and, uh, you know, I think we did okay. Well, so you fished just as well as a governor. I guess. But listen to what he said when I asked what his grandkids caught fish on. Well, they had, they, they had worms. They had some other artificial on there we tried different things so what you know and we moved around you know you kept trying to uh, find find a spot where they where they were but uh, we 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 hit one spot we did did okay worms and some other artificial lures they tried different things and they moved around john now you really know that the governor is an angler at heart what do you mean Governor DeWine answered my question without revealing a thing about where they caught fish or what they caught them on. Only a true lifelong angler could keep his cool and not reveal his secret fishing spot and techniques while being grilled by the Lure Love podcast. That guy is a master. He's well-practiced uh, answering hard questions under pressure. And, uh, you know, it all kind of works together because I know who wants to give out their favorite spot on a podcast. Come on, man. 
I asked the governor if he fished as a kid, and guess what? He had a test pond just like us. Here's what he said. Where I grew up, we had about a four-acre pond, and so we fished fished in there a lot. We had bluegills, crappies, bass, um, channel cats, and um, but you know we. I think the biggest fish I, I ever caught actually was in Kentucky Lake. We were down there. My dad had a seed meeting down there, and it was a, I think I was seven. So it's still the biggest fish I've ever caught is a 12-pound channel cat. That's a big one. You know, these, 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 these catfish can get pretty big. 12-pound channel cat? Well, that's pretty nice. But did he say his dad had a seed meeting? What, what's a seed meeting? His dad's business was the DeWine Seed Company. It was located right next to the railroad track so they could load bags of seeds into rail cars. And the train track is now a bike path. And that seed company is now a craft brewery. So now you can ride your bike right up and have a couple beers and, and keep going. All right. Well, I like the evolution of the times. State DNRs are great resources. In Ohio, they provide classes for people just learning to fish. Perhaps you should sign up for that one, Tim. I'm going to ignore that remark. They also have classes on fly fishing, kayak fishing, knot tying, how to choose gear and more. Plus the Division of Wildlife's six state fish hatcheries stocked more than 40 million fish in 2021, including walleye, saga, yellow perch, rainbow trout, brown trout, muskie, channel cats, blue cats, and hybrid striped bass. They do a great job. Well, I'll tell you, most DNRs do. Um, my experience in Kansas with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, the KDWP, and these fine folks do all they can for us in spite of the fact that, in my opinion, they are terribly underfunded. Look at this lake next to me, Hillsdale Reservoir, was filled in 1983, and it was meant to be a fishery for people to drive down from Kansas City, which is a, a big old town with about 3 million people in the whole metro area. Um, it's pressured, pressured, pressured. But these guys have kept the walleye and crappie fisheries in that lake red hot for decades and decades. And I can't say enough good things about them. The number of innovative things like the walleye thing is totally artificial. They net the they net the females in the in the spring because Hillsdale doesn't produce a lot of walleye naturally and they want more, but they keep the females in their natural environment, strip the eggs, do this, do that. I mean, they really have some ingenious ways to take care of us. And I love the innovation and I love the way they do their job. And I can't say enough good things about them. Do they do much angler education? Oh, yeah, we do a lot of angler education, but a lot of it depends on the fishers because they just don't have enough agents to send out to do as much of it as they'd like to. Uh, our overriding organization that sets up our structure for how we do it is called Fishing's Future. Uh, it's great, run by a great guy named Shane Wilson. Um, they have the, the format and they provide, you know, the ways individual anglers now can go out and do their own programs in their own communities. Uh, I just got my basic training certification and I need to do a couple of, uh, events with, uh, a master angler, like my friend, Kim Bar Burnett. Uh, and then I can put on my own events, but I'm telling you, my whole thing with the education has been put on hold because of the pandemic. And then because Glasswater is occupying me constantly and guess what? I went off and started a podcast too. So I, although I would love <laughs> to get back to getting with families, getting with kids, uh, right now, you know, I'm not as much help to KDWP as I'd like to be. No fault there. I get enough emails from you timestamp 3 a.m. to know you're a busy guy, but you'll get there. I know how much you enjoy taking families fishing. 
and the governor revealed where next year's event will take place. One of the things that makes Ohio great, um, you know, we have a great park system. We have 75 parks. Uh, we have a number of lodges. Uh, we have uh, shooting ranges. We just have, you know, great, great uh, history of doing this. And what we've done since I became governor is we've added, you know, a lot of land, uh, the, the old AEP land that we're now calling Appalachian Hills in, in the uh, eastern side of the state. And it is really, you know, it has, I don't know, 150, 200 ponds. And we went out fishing there last year for inland inland fishing. Uh, this is something Governor Rhodes started uh, fishing in Lake Erie, Fish Ohio Day, back in the 60s. And it's continued on through every governor, and I've continued it as well. But we also have added the inland Fish Ohio because I grew up fishing in lakes and ponds and, so, and streams and rivers. So... Uh, so we do two of these every year. We do a Lake Erie one, and then we do one that uh, is we just kind of been moving around from different locations every every year. I think next year we're going going to go to Houston Woods near near Miami University. And are you going to go back and attend this event next year too? Oh, absolutely. Next year it will be at Houston Woods, another great state park location, and I hope to attend the next Lake Erie event too. We have a great DNR, and I really enjoyed just hanging out with them for part of a day and. Uh, even if I did get skunked, it was certainly a very enjoyable way to get skunked. John, you told me you were going to get together with Jimmy Lee at Rar Fishing for some information on miniature lures for ultralight bait casting. I've heard you mention him before, but fill the listeners in. Who is Jimmy Lee? Well, Jimmy is one of my Instagram buddies. I mean, when I got into Instagram... Uh, a while back, I started following his Instagram feed, which is Rawr Fishing, R-A-W-R, Rawr Fishing. Uh, well, gosh, it was about six, seven years ago now. And he actually did some testing for us when we were developing Angle King. I mean, that's how far Jimmy and I go back. I sent him a prototype, and his YT channel was taken off, and so he was kind enough to put it on there, out fishing, caught himself a nice pickerel on it. Uh, of course, these days, he's enjoying being a dad most of all. But he still does a ton of testing and marketing for a variety of companies. And as far as fishing goes, Jimmy loves that finesse, and he's really into mini baits. I mean, he's a great follow on Instagram, Tim, because besides demonstrating, you know, different lures, and different tackle, he is a tackle tinkerer on my level of crazy. And he loves to do wire baits, and that's what he likes to play with most, just like me. So he does a bunch of great posts, reels, what have you, where he takes some stainless steel MIG wire, some standard wire bending pliers, needle nose, some wire cutters, and along with a few components, you know, the swivels, the blades, the, the, the clevises, and so forth. And in a minute or two, he's bent this wire around and done a cool hack on a jig or added a blade to a spinner bait or put a rattle on something, uh, added a weight to it in a unique way, and just to give anglers more options for presentation. I'm checking him out right now. He does some fun hacks with soft baits as well. And yes, he does demo a lot of those itty bitty lures. Most of these look like downsized finesse versions of those larger power fishing bugs that you see. Oh, that's the truth. I mean, you want a tiny weedless hollow frog for rock bass? Jimmy can put you on it. I'm going to have to look at this more later. There's a lot of excellent looking content here. But what made you contact Jimmy for the show? 
Well, since we talked about mini lures a little bit in an earlier episode, and then back in February, a friend of mine came out, Les the Professor Klein, and he introduced me to an ultralight bait casting outfit, which was an eye-opening experience. I actually had a ball using it. Advances in bait casting reels have demonstrated feats of precision engineering heretofore deemed impossible. Bait casting has long been associated exclusively with power fishing. But that is not the case anymore. With cylinder spools being made out of space-age materials, and designed to overcome inertia quickly through the use of amazingly anti-frictional bearings, the cylinder on a finesse bait caster will spin with the slightest force. It is hard to believe, but with these reels one can cast a bait as small as a 132nd ounce. And the market is producing the matching rods and line, so when you indulge your love of the bait caster to catch everything small from sunfish, dink game fish, crappies, and small stream trout, up to chunky bass in clear water environments, where presentations need to be subtle. Jimmy certainly is a prolific producer. What did you ask Roar Fishing about for the show today? Well, just to keep it in kind of a manageable thing, I just got his top three mini finesse baits for fishing with your ultralight bait caster this spring. Jimmy fishes mostly in the Northeast. He's right around that Philadelphia area, but the bugs he recommended would work anywhere. Okay, so the first bait is the Euro Tackle B-Vibe Swimtail in the 1.5 and 2-inch sizes. Have you ever tried these, Tim? Well, I haven't used any of the Euro Tackle specifically, but I've definitely fished some of these 1.5 and 2-inch size. Actually, a little bigger than that. One of the first ones I ever used, and this was probably, you know, 40, 45 years ago, was the Mr. Twister Sassy Shad, which is 2.5-inch. But I also used to use those Mr. Twister, the the tiny grubs and these two-inch baits. And one of the things that's always impressed me, John, is you think about these are great for crappy, for panfish, but you hook up some big fish on these small baits sometimes. You know, sometimes that that finesse and just having a smaller bait doesn't necessarily mean you're going to catch smaller fish. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Fish are kind of mean. They're kind of jerks. And so when a bass sees some crappie or perch or something and they're, they're whacking this, a lot of times they just go over there and say, Hey, my, my lure now, you know, my fish now, he likes to spoil the party and, and take a big bite out of their action. Uh, it's always a thrill when you get a big, big strike at, well, not necessarily a big strike, but when you feel that big weight, you know, you're expecting it to be a crappie or bluegill. And the next thing, you know, you know, you're, you're getting your drag pulled out. Yeah, John, you are absolutely right about that, especially about when that drag starts to peel off and you feel that larger weight on your ultralight, there's nothing like it. These very small paddle tail swimmers, they come in 20 colors. And I've looked through them, and my faves are the green and black, which is termed Black High Viz by the company, and they're Fire Tiger. But these are very much a bigger swim tail made small. I mean, what I mean there is generally, in a lot of brands of paddle tails, they get small, they get more stubby. But these retain that bigger bait profile. The tail section has a longer sway than a lot of small paddle tail grubs due to the ring design, the gradual taper, and then the strategically placed flat base where the paddle uh, forms out of the out of the main body. Yeah, the one and a half and two inch versions of the B vibe look like they'd be the perfect size for a crappy dueler. Oh, you are reading my mind there, Pod Bro. I mean, I got to get into some of these. Lots of our friends use Euro Tackle. But when I look through our podcast index, I do not see them come up in the list of lures you two used most since the podcast began. We need to contact Eurotackle. You are two of the biggest panfish maniacs in the Mississippi drainage. I am sure you wouldn't mind testing some out. On crappie. On smallmouth. On red ears. 
on rock bass, on greenies, on pumpkin seeds, on white, on yellow perch, on Donner, on Blitzen. Sorry, I got carried away for a minute. Okay, so let me introduce Jimmy's second lore choice. The Eurotackle EPF Swim. EPF stands for Extreme, Philly, Fishing. One of Jimmy's friends, Leo Cheng, of the Extreme Philly Fishing YouTube channel, worked with Eurotackle to design this busy little paddle grub. The EPFPTG is a diminutive, one-inch paddle tail, with a more compact body than the B-Vibe. However, like the B-Vibe, this bait has a very active tail, giving it a small baitfish action that fish find very appealing. This is a bait for the panfish specialist hunting big bluegill, and slab red ears. And for the parent just trying to get their kids into some easy action. However, as accommodating as shallow water sunfish tend to be, there are many times of year that these feisty scrappers can be remarkably hard to catch. That's why a one-jig-fits-all approach is rarely successful. Pan fishing is just as sophisticated as any other type of fishing, when it needs to be. And it behooves anyone from a panfish pro to a mom working with her child's first artificial lure experience to have a good variety of lure offerings. Plastics like these EPF tails allow you to carry a large set of lure options in a small space. There are nine colors from which to pick. I like the Super Gold and the Bluegill Pro. Oh, I love these little baits. My favorites are the Black and the Chartreuse. No surprise there, but I have my eye on the Green Pumpkin and the Super Glow. Can I suggest that we simply transpose the list of fish species that you will chase with these baits from the B-Vibe section we just covered? In fact, don't answer. I'll just replay it now. On crappie. On smallmouth. On red ears. On rock bass. On greenies. On pumpkin seeds. On whites. On yellow perch. And I would add trout to your list. Were I to get somewhere I could spin fish for rainbows and browns, I'd want some of these in my set of choices. You know, crappy hippie, I was saving the best Euro tackle feature for last. Oh, my dear sweet Lucy, are you going to tell me what I think you're going to tell me? Is it really true? Yes. Eurotackle is a lead-free fishing lure company. They use a very high-grade tungsten, that is 97 to 99% pure, to create some of the most innovative ice jigs and jig heads available. These jig heads are sending me into orbit. I love tungsten. At nearly twice the specific gravity of lead, you can pack more weight into a smaller lure profile. Also, I've never seen an idea for a plastic tail retainer like the one on these jig heads. It's an egg-shaped silicone bead that's fixed to the hook shank about three-fourths of the way to the bend. They say this design causes less wear and tear on these little tails, allowing you to change out and reuse them as you want to. So as you know, often these things can just tear but this prevents them from tearing. So the micro finesse soft lock tungsten jig heads, these come in two hook sizes, four and six, and four weights, 132nd, 116th, 332nds, and 18th. And they sell for the three packs are about $5.99. Oh man, that is too good. When one can have a heavier jig on a small size bait, you can get it down there where the fish are in deep or where the current is strong. I never thought we'd see a day when one-inch baits were getting tossed out on bait casters with the ease and distance of a spinning rod. It's a great time to be a lure geek. Jimmy's final lure pick is a mini chatterbait. I am absolutely thrilled with Jimmy's final choice because it comes from our favorite soft bait company of all, Z-Man. Ah, yeah, they are the first name in chatterbaits and chatterbait development. 
I'm telling you, Z-Man is not a company that sits complacently on past success. They're always up to something cool. And what I'm talking about specifically is this little flashback mini 116th ounce chatterbait that comes in right at two inches long. They sent us a whole bunch of these chatterbaits, and uh, I have been testing these out, John. I've already tried the Willow Vibe, and this isn't tiny. It comes in, I think it's three-eighths of an ounce and a quarter ounce, but I absolutely love this. You know, fishing a jig is one of my favorite things to do, but when you have a bladed jig, so you can fish it like a jig, but it gives you this chatterbait action. It's just great. It's a a beautiful little hummer. It's perfect for the waters that I fish, Um, and uh, I've been catching a lot of fish in the test pond on it and it's just a beautiful little thing the willow vibe not as much chatter and vibration as some of the bigger ones but i kind of like that it gives you an alternative absolutely absolutely you know and now you know i agree with everything you said there but you know because when you come back to this little 16th ounce wonder it's got the 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 their uh, six-sided blade on it so it's going to kick around pretty darn good i mean what I'm thinking is this little bug is going to be fabulous for post-spawn crappies and then the smallies in spring and early summer when the bait fish are small. I mean, these pint-sized vibration engines, they've been around for a whole decade, but, you know, like a lot of things, it blew right by me. However, I am glad to have made the discovery, even if I'm coming to the party late. I mean, as soon as I can, I'm going to the Bass Pro and Olathe and get me a couple. Uh, John, you may want to disguise your voice when you're there. That's the Bass Pro shops that we just hacked into. So you could make your announcement on their public address speaker system. We don't want you to get arrested. Yeah, the length of these is about two inches overall with a three centimeter head and a one inch body. And they come in a fork tail minnow on the head and a spare curly tail minnow in each package. They sell for $249 to $349, depending on where you buy them. And there are four color combos in the holographic plastic tails. There's gold black, silver blue, silver natural, and one that was seemingly made just for crappy hippie, the chartreuse rainbow. They also make an eighth ounce, a 316 models, but Jimmy recommends the baby the bunch as his favorite. The best thing is that because it is from Z-Man, we know it has been tested thoroughly, and you can count on these chatterbaits to run evenly and make a whole lot of fish attracting racket. Oh, you got it, Lucy. Nothing builds confidence like a Z-Man lure. I'm going to look into these ultralight bait casters and I'm going to give some time to roar fishing as well. Heck yeah. I mean, come on, Tim. Father's Day is getting closer every day. And an ultralight bass caster would be just the thing for you or for me or anybody that loves to fish with a free cylinder reel. How can we find Jimmy Lee and Roar Fishing? Well, I keep up with Roar Fishing on Instagram and YouTube, but he does a ton of Instagram reels and he is also on TikTok. So please check it out. A big thanks to Jimmy Lee for getting back to us with his picks for spring super finesse bait casting. If you have a social media hero that talks a lot about lures, feel free to email us or leave us a message on our website at www.lorelovepodcast.com. We are always looking for fellow lure lovers, wherever they may be. Warning, warning, lure news alert, lure news alert. John, this is just in from the Goochland County, Virginia Public Schools website. For two Goochland Middle School students, a love of fishing and a class on entrepreneurship have combined to create a business that's making money and making lures. Isaac Kowalski and Miller Nixon have developed a lure that proves its worth. I just caught a six-pound bass, Kowalski said. 
Oh, my, my. And so it begins. I mean, this sounds like a righteous program, and I love it that these two fishers are using an entrepreneurship program to learn about how to market the baits and how the fishing business works. Heck, they're already doing their own angler testimonials for the bugs. Fishermen since birth. Just like us. Nixon and Kowalski experimented with making their own lures before their joint business venture. But things got serious when they took the nine-week Make It Your Business class at Goochland Middle School. Make It Your Business is taught in middle school as part of the career exploration program. You will never find a finer career than lure design and manufacturing. So tell me what they're making, Tim. Well, John, after conversations about profits and business longevity, students in Make It Your Business work in groups to come up with names and logos for their businesses. Then they learn about budgeting and developing business plans. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, but what type of lures do they make? John, once those parts of the class are complete, students present an interactive slideshow of their business idea, and they develop a graphic or video advertisement. Students are graded on those work products, not whether they actually start the business, but if they want to create their product or deliver their service, then they get extra credit. Okay, that all sounds great, but stop talking about the program and tell me what lure they made. Well, John, Kowalski and Nixon definitely earned their extra credit. Their business is called South of the Coast, and they've had these pop-up shops, and they have big plans and other selling opportunities that they're looking at. Pod bro, you are driving me crazy on purpose, I can tell. What was their lure? John, with a well-designed logo and a catchy name, they've also expanded their business by offering shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and soon hats. They've sold a ton of shirts. Oh, man, do I have to go online and look this up for myself? Okay, okay, calm down, Padro. Their primary product, a fishing lure, was designed and created using a 3D printed mold. Oh, that's classic. So we're talking about a soft bait. They are soft plastics. Their lures are all about the action. They have a swim bait, a crayfish, and a mondo fat lizard with six legs. Well, you knew I would just love this story, and I do. I mean, I just love seeing young people get after things they're passionate about. I mean, it's a joy to behold. And these kids have really dropped the right ingredients right into place. I love their logo. I love the look at the baits. I mean, that Mondo Fat Lizard is out of sight. Z-Man, take notice. And their marketing strategies, good ones, solid ones. But you know what I like the best? That they're technologically astute. No, heck no. It's that they know how to use computers and order to make use of a 3d printer i need to catch up on this stuff but i'm afraid the learning curve will leave me in orbit well we certainly do not need you spending more time in outer space than you already do anyhow the lures come in six colors all of their lures are for small and largemouth bass but every now and then they make some that you could use in the ocean for speckled trout or bluefish they like to experiment by adding flake to their lures, too. I'm going to drop a link to their Instagram in the show notes so listeners can take a look and maybe buy some of these. That's the end of another episode of the Lure Love Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our free email newsletter so you'll be automatically entered into our monthly raffle for a glass water angling gift certificate. Also, if you're a fan of the podcast, visit our website and buy John and Tim Allure. Just go to www.lorelovepodcast.com, click on the Buy Us Allure button, and drop a fiver on the boys. They're worth it. And always remember the Lure Love motto, why buy one lure? When you can buy 103. Lure Love, you've been on my mind. Never an 
enough lures to tie to the end of my life.